This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast, where we dive into the latest rumors and news surrounding Texas Rangers baseball. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest headlines and insights from around Globe Life Field. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is your source for sporting event tickets, concert tickets, or any other major event tickets. With great customer service and value, you're guaranteed guaranteed to find the best ticket prices for your dollar. And now on to our first topic. Who's hot? Who's not? Texas Rangers had a bad weekend in the Bronx due to weather, and you could tell it messed up the team. The Rangers would get swept by the Yankees in a doubleheader on Sunday in a makeup game on Monday afternoon. The Rangers would return home to a nice loud crowd and a closed roof as they would take on the Kansas City Royals. The Rangers wound up taking two out of three games against them. And this week, we're talking who's hot, who's not. So, starting off with who's hot, Blaine Krim, the Krim Reaper, was wreaking havoc in double-A this week with nine hits, three home runs, and seven RBIs. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him in Frisco. Don't be shocked if he was promoted mid-season to Round Rock if he continues his trend in Frisco. Jack Leiter. Finally, the Rough Riders took the training wheels off Jack and let him pitch more than four innings. In six innings of work, Leiter only allowed two hits and struck out five batters. Hopefully the Rough Riders continue to let him learn how to pitch late in the games this season. Taylor Hearn. I watched uh, his most recent start against Kansas City to see how he would do considering he hasn't started a game in a while. He surprised me by throwing five shutout innings against the Royals on Thursday night. The Rangers needed a good quality outing from him to close out the first series on this homestand, and they got one. Brad Miller. My new favorite player on this team this season. Mr. Miller time. Had one heck of a week with seven hits, three home runs, and seven RBIs. Brad Miller has come in clutch, whether as a pinch hitter or as a starter. If I'm Chris Woodward, I'm giving him more playing time. But, unfortunately, we do have to address those that are not hot this week. Chris Woodward. Apparently, the Texas Rangers have an amateur comedian that is also managing them. Chris Woodward blundered on Sunday, which we covered in the previous episode, calling Yankee Stadium a Little League ballpark after Gleyber Torres hit a walk-off home run in Game 1 of the Rangers-Yankees doubleheader Sunday. 
you want to hear more on how Chris Woodward angered all of the Yankee fans on Sunday, check out last week's episode, which you can find over here. And here are our thoughts. And finally, John Gray. John Gray's season is looking like a bust so far. His last start against the Yankees was the third time he was taken off the mound this season, in the middle of his scheduled starts. This time it was his knee after awkwardly landing on it after a pitch. I don't know how long he will be out, but I wish him all the best in his rehab if he needs it, and hopefully he will be back later in the season. And for their upcoming schedule, this week they begin a series against the Angels at home. And let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Is there anybody that we missed that should have been either included in the who's hot or who's not? Do you see anybody that's on the rise that we should be watching? Let us know. And now on to our next topic. Four pleasant surprises of the Texas Rangers 2022 so far. The Rangers aren't playing as well as they should be in 2022, especially not after going on a massive spending spree during the offseason that saw them bring in some elite talent. But here we are, in mid-May, the team has been disappointing overall. Uh, mind you, for some brief encouraging stretches here and there, it hasn't been all bad for the Rangers. However, as Texas has gotten some decent production from some of the less heralded players on their roster this year. We're going to be covering four pleasant Texas Rangers surprises in the early goings of this season. So to start it all off, we're going number one, Brad Miller. He signed a two-year deal in February. It has been everything the Texas Rangers could have hoped for and then some. On the year, he's got five home runs and a 721 OPS in 72 at-bats, while displaying versatility on the diamond. Not too shabby. Miller might be the best signing the Rangers made this winter, and that's saying something because Texas also brought in superstars Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Sometimes the best moves are the ones you'd never think to appreciate. Brad Miller certainly falls into that category, and he has been a pleasant surprise early in the season. Number two, Martin Perez. No one would blame you for being underwhelmed at the Rangers signing of lefty Martin Perez during the winter but he has become arguably the most stable member of the starting staff early this year. Did you see that coming? Through six starts to this point, Perez sports a sparkling 2.10 ERA and a .99 whip. Both of those figures lead all Texas starting pitchers at the moment. The Rangers starting staff has a weak spot in 2022. Although they've been played better of late, a major reason for the turnaround has been the emergence of the lefty Perez. Now don't get it twisted, Perez isn't a, isn't a staff ace. Texas still needs one of those, a true alpha on the rubber, but for now, it's comforting to know that there's at least one quality option in this rotation, even if it isn't what you expected. And number three, Jonah Heim. He's become a fan favorite in 2022, and rightfully so, the way he's been playing. Jonah Heim has earned everyday catching duties, even though the Rangers traded for Mitch Garver from the Twins for that reason. Heim has seized the opportunity he's been giving with a 1.002 OPS so far this season. That figure is the pleasant surprise here, as Heim has always been renowned for his defense and pitch framing behind the dish. But rounding out his game and becoming a two-dimensional threat as a player, 
He's becoming the asset that Texas Rangers could only dream of behind the plate. Should he continue hitting at a clip even remotely close to his current one? It will make for a tough decision on what to do with him and Mitch Garver at the catcher position going forward. Number four, the bullpen. It's incredible to think at one point this season, the Rangers bullpen was considered a liability. And a liability it was. Since early May, however, the unit has done a complete 360, emerging as a team's strength to the pleasant surprise of everyone. Among the reasons for the bullpen's turnaround, Brock Burke and Matt Moore, each of whom have provided tremendous production in the form of long relief. Dennis Santana, Joe Barlow, Spencer Patton, John King, and others have picked up the slack in the bullpen for the Rangers, giving the team ample options for both long relief and closing out tight games. Having a solid bullpen is a luxury, especially for a non-contending team like this one, and this group will only get better with the eventual returns of Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. What was the surprise you've witnessed so far this year? Is there anything that was a shock to you? Anything that we didn't cover? Let us know. And now on to the 2022 Rangers Hall of Fame inductees have been announced. The Rangers announced last weekend that Ian Kinsler and John Blake will be the two individuals inducted into the Team Hall of Fame. A ceremony will take place prior to the August 13th game versus the Seattle Mariners. The two will join a vast star-studded list of former players and personnel who either donned the Rangers uniform or made an impact by their work with the Texas Rangers. But first, let's take a look at Ian Kinsler. From 2006 to 2013, Kinsler was a fan favorite who was vital in some of the most successful Ranger seasons in club history. Being a key player in the team's only two World Series appearances with Munster playoff numbers, Kinsler has a special place in the hearts of Rangers fans regardless of how his time in Texas ended. To this day, Kinsler still holds many franchise records for a second baseman in a leadoff batter. He ranks second in stolen bases, sixth in runs, seventh in extra base hits and walks, and is tied for eighth in home runs. To add to his statistical impact, Kinsler is also one of two second basemen in MLB history to post two 30-30 seasons and has the only six-hit cycle since 1900. Kinsler's statistical prowess and his fiery playing style is much deserving of the recognition and remembrance. And John Blake. In Blake's 34-year tenure, he has overseen a variety of communication efforts, including public relations, social media, community player relations, Blake and fellow Hall of Famer Eric Nadell are the only two employees to be, to be present working in every Rangers postseason game in history. Along with that, he spearheaded the communication efforts for the opening of both the ballpark in Arlington and Globe Life Field. His impact has been insurmountable, and his efforts in, role, in his role excuse me, has had him awarded the Robert O. Fischel Award in 93 and the Harold McKinney Good Guy Award in 2004. Together, the two will become the 25th and 26th members of the Rangers Hall of Fame. Each are incredibly deserving in their own right. And now I'm going to give you my thoughts on four Rangers minor leaguers. 
On this mid-May Monday evening, I share with you a brief thought I have on four Ranger minor league players, one at each level. Starting off at AAA Round Rock, we're going to look at Leody Tavares. Feels like we've been on Leody watch since the beginning of the season, or at least since he went 5-for-5 five five with a pair of doubles in his fourth game for Round Rock this season. With a four-digit OPS for much of the season, Leody has been viewed as an increasingly attractive call-up option, particularly with pretty much every non-Adonis outfielder DH option flailing about. Leody has cooled down since his hot start. He's slashing 250, 317, 444 in May with four walks and 12 strikes, strikeouts in 41 plate appearances. And he sat for a couple of games after being pulled mid-game for not running out a dropped third strike that got away from the catcher. His overall numbers for the year are still quite good, however. He has 339, 367, 579 slash line has him 10th in the PCL and OPS. His home road splits are pretty similar, so it isn't as if he's padding his stats with performances at the super hitter-friendly Western PCL parks. He also has hits in 20 of his last 21 games, the one exception being the game mentioned previously where he was pulled. There's an argument to be made that Leone's glove alone makes him good enough to be in the majors, even if he doesn't hit much, and he can work on any adjustments he needs to make in the big leagues. That said, when I see Christian Pash, who has a similar profile to Yodi, who is also 23, slashing 157, 202, 241, and 115 plate appearances for Oakland, when I see the M send down Jared Kelenic after a 140, 219, 291 slash line to start the season, when I look at the ugly offensive numbers in the year of the mushball, I think let Leody stay in AAA a while longer. Let him have success. Let him struggle there. Let him work through his struggles and rebound. Let him experience maintaining the good and fighting through the bad in AAA. Some more before bringing him up to Arlington. In AA Frisco, Jack Leiter. Jack Leiter has been the Saturday starter for Frisco this season and prior to this weekend, had shown instances of brilliance mixed with episodes of not brilliance. On May 7th, he had his best start of his admittedly very short professional career, needing just 68 pitches to go six shutout innings against Arkansas, allowing just two base runners and no runs. This past Saturday, Leiter went the opposite way, putting up his worst start of the professional career. On the road in Tulsa, Leiter was pulled with two outs in the second inning, having retired just five of the 14 batters he faced with a final line of 1.2 innings pitched, six runs, seven hits, one walk, one hit by pitch, one strikeout. A disaster start from the Rangers' best prospect, the best pitching prospect they've had in at least a decade, is going to trigger a certain amount of anxiety. The question that one wants to ask after an outing like that is whether it was bad pitching or bad luck. The answer? A little bit of both. Reports indicate that there were some balls that found holes and some squeezing going on, but Tepid noted that he wasn't commanding any of his pitches, and that's going to result in a short night, bad luck or no. The two main things that have been said to be areas that Leiter needs to improve on to reach his ceiling are his command and his changeup. Fangraphs has Leiter's command grades at 35 present, 55 future. Improved consistency of command is what will help Leiter avoid this disaster, disaster repeating. 
Avoid the instances where he can't locate his exquisite four-seamer and he gets crushed by major league hitters. Saturday's outing doesn't change the outlook on Leiter. It is though a reminder that he's still a work in progress. And now, high A Hickory, Mark Church. If there's anything the Rangers farm system seems to churn out in abundance in recent years, it is big, hard-throwing right-handed relievers. We've seen Pete Fairbanks, Emmanuel Clays, Joe Barlow, and Demarcus Evans shoot up the organizational ladder in 2019. We saw Hernandez emerge as a bullpen weapon in 2020. We saw Nick Snyder start the year in Hickory in 2021, ending the year in, main, in the majors. And in 2022, we are seeing impressive performances by a number of young, ready bullpen arms in A-ball. But the most interesting to me, at least, being Mark Church, an 18th round draft pick in 2019 out of an Atlanta high school, possibly signed only because 7th rounder Brandon Spro rejected the Rangers above slot offer and thus, Texas had extra bonus pool money to spend. Church caught the attention of Eric Longenhagen in extended spring in 2021. Church pitched for a low A down east in 2021, skipping the complex league altogether, and blew away a collection of overmatched Carolina League hitters for most of the year, striking out 49 of 108 hitters he faced before his final outing of the year where he gave up six runs while not retiring anyone, after which he was placed on the IL for the year with an elbow issue. Church was sent to Hickory to start 2022, and he's been cruising with the only earned runs allowed, coming courtesy of three home runs allowed in a three-day span at the start of May. For the year, Church has struck out 29 of 67 batters, walked just two, and allowed a 215-239-369 slash line with a 2.08. ERA and 17 innings pitched over 12 outings. And now low A down east, Alejandro Osuna. Alejandro was signed by the Texas Rangers out of Mexico in 2020, right before his 18th birthday. Can't really find any information about his signing bonus, and the only reason his signing was at all notable is that he is the brother of pitcher Roberto Osuna, who is best known for bad things. Osuna likely would have been assigned to Spokane in the Northwest League in 2021, but with the non-complex short season leagues have been eliminated, that wasn't an option. Rather than trying to squeeze Osuna into an already crowded AZL depth chart, Texas sent him to Down East in mid-June, where he immediately went into the starting lineup. Osuna is currently slashing 333, 409, 510, and 110 plate appearances with just 18 strikeouts against 11 walks. After an 870 OPS in April, he's put up a 985 OPS so far in May. He's still facing older competition. Only five of his plate appearances have been against younger pitches, pitchers. excuse me. But he's thriving, posting the fourth highest OPS in the Carolina League. Osuna has played all three outfield spots, but is primarily played left field. And he profiles as a ball or a bat only guy, which means he's going to have to really hit. But he's a 19 year old who has been one of the top hitters in the Carolina League this year, which means he's someone we should probably at least be keeping an eye on. Let us know your thoughts on the top topics we covered today in the comment section below. As always, hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button to be notified of future video. And let us um, know if we missed anything, got anything wrong, 
As always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered by tweeting us at TalkinTXRangers or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rangers. As always, thank you for listening and go Rangers.